0: The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbreak off.
1: Hello, and welcome to Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone, and today we're going to be looking back over, as Mikel Arteta called it, the ugly win against West Ham at the London Stadium to do that we have two beautiful guests i'm luxuriating in your pulchritude as we speak it's adrian clark and james mcnicholas morning
2: good morning Morning, that's put me in a good mood yeah (laughs) to be honest i didn't understand it but i'll take it yeah i I pretended i did yeah
1: (laughs) beauty great beauty uh, I, I you know it, i don't know where i picked it up but anyway some apparently i was listening sometimes at school anyway as we know rob holding scored his first goal in the premier league and the first in league competition since 2016. that feel like a long time ago when he scored for bolton against mk dons in the championship all it took as aaron ramsdale said in the interview after the game was six years and a new hairline (laughs) and by the way i thought holding looked slightly pained and said come on mate that was very funny anyway here at handbrake off we think that rob holding is rapidly becoming a cult hero so i was thinking who's your favorite cult hero of the past adrian did you play with anyone who you would consider to be a cult hero? And by the way, I, I looked up a sort of definition of cult hero. And uh, the one I found, it said a writer, musician, artist or other public figure who is greatly admired or influential despite varied success. So <laughs> uh, if we're going with that definition, uh, anyone you played with or watched? Two, or...
2: two of them. Um, two stand out. Perry Groves uh, cleaned his boots and played in sort of reserve games with him and uh, practice games and and whatnot. Great bloke. Obviously, I work with him at Arsenal these days as well. Just a a fantastic bloke. Won two titles, played a a huge part in the League Cup final win against Liverpool in 87. And was a bit of a super sub, wasn't he? He He wasn't the most refined player in the world, but he was rapid. He had an unusually long throw for a forward player. Um he could, he was a bit ahead of his time. He was a forward player that could play wide and just just very likable uh guy. The other one was John Jensen clearly. You forget <laughs> he won an FA Cup, he won a League Cup, he won a Cup Winners Cup and he wasn't the best. He really wasn't the best. I mean he trained in training most days he was pretty bad. Um but but <laughs> He, he he made a great career for himself, and he always had a smile on his face. The fans obviously took to him because of his wholehearted attitude and inability to score. And uh, yeah, I th- think those two are, are definite cult heroes. I think another def uh, you could add to that list of, of definitions someone that, that that won something. I think I think in a football sense, if they've also helped you win something, it makes a big difference.
1: I would say so. Uh, yeah. Also, I imagine a cult hero in Denmark as well for, uh, for the goal at the Euros. James, what about you?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if my pick fits the cult hero definition particularly neatly. Basically, I was thinking about Rob Holding and I think what's endeared him to Arsenal supporters so much this season has been his performances coming off the bench you know, he's really developed this reputation as the guy who comes on when Arsenal needs to close things down. You almost find when he starts games, you find yourself sort of willing away for him to come on and should close them out in the final fifteen minutes. It's almost like we need another Rob Holding for when he actually starts. But thinking about players who, who came off the bench and made sort of massive impacts, maybe this guy's too talented to be called me a mere cult hero. But Carnu for me oh. was a player I just absolutely adored and I think the way in which he played the game it was so unique and so different that it did kind of inspire a sort of cultish following is that a fair shout? Mm.
1: Kanu well I I would have to say it's a fair shout because I he was the one I was going to choose as well to be honest (laughs) but yeah I think I think there is something in that actually not not guaranteed first team but also something about the way he played, about the the way that time and space seemed to stretch when he got the ball, and 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 he did so. And I, you know, my one of my favourite ever goals was, I think, against Deportivo La Coruña, which I'm not even sure he actually scored. He just dummied about four people, and and the goalkeeper fell out of the way, and the ball rolled in. And and we, and everybody started laughing. I think um I think he definitely qualified, wouldn't you say Adrian? Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a solo artist, isn't he? I think that yeah. he stands out. A little bit like Perry Grove stood out because of his bright red hair. John Jensen stood out because of his curly curly mop um on top of his head. I think though these little touches make a difference. Even with Rob Holding, the fact that he's clearly had a hair transplant. He starts the season bald, he ends it looking He's probably five years younger with with a thick head of hair. I think that endears him to the fans as well in a a strange kind of way.
1: Does Mertesecker count? Does Per Mertesecker count as a cult hero as well? I mean, he was, I mean, also, obviously, uh, a ridiculous height um, and certainly taller than most of the players on the pitch, but also something about not being... Not being a, a brilliant footballer, but but coming up with the goods. I mean, I'm thinking of that that Chelsea Cup final, by the way. Rob Holding, of course, also featured uh, pretty heavily in that. But the fact that Per Mertesacker had played, I think, a total of thirty three minutes of football before that Cup final, and then came on and directed the traffic and was utterly brilliant. I think that would qualify, would it not, as cult hero status?
0: I think so, yeah. I think that contribution alone, at that stage of his career as well, when a lot of people had written him off. And I think what he shares with Kanu is that, you know, if you look purely at the body type, you wouldn't necessarily think that this guy would be a, a top-level performer. No. And yet, both achieved great, great things in their careers. So, yeah, I think that's a, a fair shout as well.
2: And, 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 and all of these names that we've mentioned, they have personality. They have a bit of charisma mm. about them, don't they? And, and, and that's what the fans... Like to see when they when they're picking out these cult heroes.
1: We certainly, uh, we certainly do. Uh, we'll talk more about Rob Holding uh, in a moment. Saka swings in the corner and they have breached the West Ham
0: defence. Rob Holding with his first ever Premier
1: League goal. West Ham United one, Arsenal two. Boys, are you worried about how much your happiness is tied up with Arsenal's fortunes at the moment? Because I am, really. I- I'm genuinely concerned. I-, I really am starting to feel like I live or die by the results of the team. And I'm and I I'm concerned for my family. Because this one, this result, 2-1, uh, our place in the top six is confirmed with this result. By the way, um, do either of you know whether that means we're definitely playing Champions League or Europa League next season? Because the rules seem a bit arcane. Uh, I'm only asking because I I just don't actually know. Adrian, you're not sure. James, do you have any idea? I've seen it
0: reported that it confirms the Europa League. But obviously there are other permutations relating to how English clubs fare in European competition. So I would stop short of confirming that myself. And I'd be lying if I said I understood all the the different eventualities at this (laughs) stage.
1: No, true. But we are certainly going to be playing some form of European football next season, which is obviously a plus. Uh, I'm assuming you think that Uh, there was a time three games in when Alan Shearer said Arsenal were looking at relegation. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) things have picked up. I would say, it, eh? well, you know what? Well, I understand. After three games, I think we're all worried. Uh, but, but what an amazing turnaround! Whatever happens, I think we should call it. I obviously everyone is now fixated on top four, but uh, you know, it, this is this is quite something from where we started this season. I want to start with Eddie and because Graham Sunes said he was the best player on the pitch. He was asking uh, Alan Smith after the game, "What's going on with his contract?" I mentioned last week about Ian Wright adrian uh, i i definitely think uh he's got a sort of will of the whist quality about him eddie and but he's really he's stepped up hasn't he where do we go from here with yeah I,
2: I said this on the show yesterday on the breakdown live i said um it was a performance where he's grown up as a player as a striker it was a it was a real man's performance and i'm not saying he's, he hasn't been a man until this point but he, re- he really took responsibility especially in that second half and I just I was so impressed with it I thought his movement was great his hold up play was terrific as it was by the way against Manchester United Uh, people came away from that game thinking oh he missed a couple of big chances which he did but his link play the trust that other players have in him now to just feed a forward pass into his feet because they know he can look after it makes such a difference and, and his movement, what we saw in that second half was a striker and, you know, bless him, Alexander Lacazette's got other qualities, but he doesn't have that movement in beyond. The way that Enketia does and some of his angled runs were fantastic. So yeah, yeah the run.
1: A, yeah. Yeah, that run for that pass from El Nenny, that yeah. was a really beautiful run. You could see the angle of it. The fact that El Nenny found him with the pass was glorious, but you get was to a that age.
2: Run. You get to that age what, what he is now and, and, and you start to feel a bit more mature as a footballer. You start to feel more comfortable in your skin, maybe a bit stronger as well. And yeah, I see a I see a real player in there now that maybe a year, eighteen months ago I wasn't quite sure about i think his finishing still needs to sharpen up a little bit to to sort of stay at the highest level but yeah all of a sudden you you're thinking we don't really want to let this guy leave do we because he he's been really good i think across the last three games
1: so james that being the case and i completely agree with adrian about that do we, I mean, I know we've offered him a new contract and he said no because he wants first team football. Have we left ourselves in a position here? Is this is this a sort of the fag end of all the, the bad deals that we made that we've let two of our strikers come to the end of their contract exactly the same time? And in other in other circumstances, we would, we would let's say Eddie had a year left, we would definitely offer him a new deal and he may well take it. But in the position we're at, with, with Alex Lacazette going and Eddie going, what can we do to persuade him to stay? Is there anything we can do?
0: Well, in, in fairness to Arsenal, I mean, their position's always been pretty clear, hasn't it? And Mikel Arteta's articulated that time after time that he wants Eddie to stay. Of course, I think for any player, actions speak louder than words and he's not had the minutes, the starts that he's been desperate for. Um, I think, you know, there's, the offer is still on the table if he changes his mind and decides he wants to give it a go at Arsenal. And I, I suppose what they'll be hoping is that this run in the team will persuade him that he's got a future there. But it's a tricky one because he'll be looking at it and the world and his wife knows Arsenal wants to sign a, a striker this summer, at least one striker, possibly two. So... You know, if he were to sign that new deal in May or June and extend his stay with the club, he might end up in a position where by the start of next season, he's a rung or two down the pecking order again. Um, So personally, I I do think that he will still probably leave the club. Although I agree with you both, he's looking like a player who certainly could have a, a role to play in the squad and especially looks like one that it's such a shame to lose for nothing which is what Arsenal are staring down the barrel of, really, at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't see how we can guarantee him, can we, anything? We, You know, we can't say you're going to be playing lots of first-team football when we're then going to go out and spend probably 50 million quid on a new striker. We already yeah. tried to sign Vlaovic in the uh, in the winter, so uh, we can't really give him the guarantees, can we, Adrian?
2: No, the reality is that, that three good games to, to, to isn't enough to elevate him to, to become first-choice striker next season. Arsenal do need two new front men two really good new front men that will leapfrog him in the in the pecking order he'll be third choice at the start of next season if he stays and 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 at the point of his career where he is now he that might not be attractive enough to to persuade him to to stick around and and I wouldn't begrudge him the move um but yeah from an Arsenal business point of view, it's. Desperately disappointing to to lose him for free Because what would If he was under contract at the moment what, what would his value be I would imagine another Premier League team would Would come in for him And I think you'd be talking around I don't know 20 million, 20, 25 yeah, million. Yeah, 20. Million well, it's going problems. up
0: all the time, isn't it? The way yeah. he's playing, yeah, so, uh, so except it's in it's reality, in,
2: his yeah. value's you know diminishing because he's about to get to the end of his contract. Well, he's sorting himself out a, a very good deal wherever he does That's end true. up. <laughs> yeah, because and if he
1: takes us, <laughs> by the way, if he takes us into the Champions League, that with his performances, that to a certain extent is, is the fee that mm. we get for yeah, I him. That. I'm, I'm yeah. not saying it's ideal in any way, James. You want to say something there.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, just on that, you know, this story of Arsenal season has really been about young players and development and we've eulogised over the academy boys. And I have to say, it's quite, you know, as a fan, it's quite uh, heartwarming to see us that we're heading into this home straight with another academy player leading the line. And I would love nothing more if he could score the goals that could, could get us over the line. What I was going to say is that I thought Eddie was really good against West Ham and he's been really good since he came into the team and he definitely deserves his props for that. But watching the way he played against West Ham and the outlet he gave us, I have to be honest, on the other side of the coin, I was looking at thinking, well, imagine if we could get someone really top level who could who had that kind of movement, who could run in behind and give us that option. An option we've not had, certainly since Christmas, since Aubameyang left. You know, you can just see as well, as good as Nketiah was, there is room for improvement there in the transfer market. And it, it's so obvious, but that is the step Arsenal do need to take.
1: Oh, cool, that's the harsh reality of football, there, ladies and gentlemen. That uh, as I mean, you're right, uh, James. You shrug your shoulders. You're absolutely right. That is the case. Anyway, uh, anyway, we're enjoying watching him play. And if this is if this is his Arsenal swan song, uh, it, it's it's great to finally see him get a run and. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of, if you'd have turned up a bit earlier, Eddie, we might not be in this situation. Well, um,
2: and, and, and Mikel Arteta, by the way, didn't, it was his first start of the season was was against Chelsea in the Premier League. So yeah. there'll, be, there'll be pangs of regret, I think, on his part, especially if Arsenal don't make it into the Champions League. Should I have played him sooner? And I think he's been open about that, hasn't he, the manager? I think he said, you know, I was a little bit harsh on him. Um, yeah, I think full credit to Ancelotti actually for for taking his chance, having sat on the bench for so long, to then come in on, from from the beginning and be so effective is, yeah, it's a sign of, of strong character.
1: I mean, I mean, there is. I can't remember. I, I'm not sure if it was uh, if it was you, James, who wrote about this about the squad, the 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 fact that these squad players now. I mean. I don't think anyone would have expected us to finish a game against West Ham and win a game against West Ham with Cedric, Tavares, uh, El Nenny and Nketiah all on the pitch at the same time. This is, you know, we need our squad to step up, and they seem to be doing that. Uh, at Oh, and sorry, and Rob Holding as well, by the way. No, not all five of those would not be first choice, right?
0: No, that's true. And there have been some big contributions from what you would deem squad players. Bern Leno came in, didn't he for the Aston Villa game? Kept a clean sheet there. Uh, Mikel Arteta has been able, maybe not in all the areas of the pitch, but in certain areas to rely on the, those deputies to come in. And and has been very good. Al has been very good. Holding's been very good when he's called upon. You know, Arsenal have been tested. The squad is stretched, and it's not a big squad at all. Um, but fortunately, that kind of core group are still coming through, and uh, I think it's testament to to them and their application their fitness their concentration that they've been able to step in straight away and not really look out of place because you know after a long season many of them have barely played at all mentioning Ketia Elneny's another who's really rarely figured to come in and perform at this level without any sort of sign of rustiness I think is really commendable
1: but is that also, Adrian, is that also uh, about you've got to give credit to uh, Mikel Arteta for keeping them motivated? You know, as, a, as um, you know, squad players need the love as well, don't
2: they? They do. Um, but it's it was always going to be the case. I think we've spoken about that on this show. Because our squad was so slim, it meant that every single member of the first team squad Was bound to be motivated because they knew they were going to get chances and opportunities to play. There was, there's no room for sulking. I think what as and it's a plus and a negative by shipping out big name players that wouldn't be happy to be on the bench. Our bench is now filled by players that are happy to be on the bench and and ready. And 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 you know determined to make an impact when when they come on. We there are no sulkers, are there? Because there are, the squad doesn't have room for any. It, it, it doesn't have room for big egos. The only one is Pepe, really. That's a a sort of stellar name, big money signing on the bench. And it's maybe it's it's interesting, isn't it? How how little he's been he's been used in recent weeks as well compared to some of these other guys so yeah I think all those names you rattled off I just think good pros not spectacular players not amazingly gifted but happy to be at Arsenal happy to play a part and and they have they've played a really big uh,
1: part one of those players as we said earlier uh Rob Holding we do think rapidly becoming a cult hero uh James you you've talked about Rob Holding quite a lot you were eulogising on one of these pods a few weeks ago about all the headers he won. He won a couple of big headers at the end of the game uh, as well as his goal uh, yesterday. Um, I mean, I, I have... I was looking at uh, Rob Holding When he played in that cup final I mentioned against Chelsea a few years ago, I honestly thought he could step up and be at sort of John Stone's uh, level. English centre-half who can maybe challenge uh, to play for England. It hasn't quite happened that way. and And our first choice pairing is definitely Ben White and Gabriel. But... He does a job when he comes on. The goal yesterday was a lovely, lovely moment. You could see how much, not just him, but the whole team enjoyed it. I mean, he's one of those players. He's one of those players that sort of provides the glue for everyone, do you think?
0: I think so, yeah. Uh, I think I saw an interview with Kieran Tierney. And he described Rob Holding as the perfect teammate. You know, somebody who is always there lending support, whether they're selected or not, is always engaged, part of the group. I mean Michael Arteta has repeated this mantra over, uh, after the last few games good things happen to good people and I think for him Rob Holding is one of those really good people to have in a group and actually anyone who who's interacted with Rob would would say the same thing I mean he's he's a fantastic ambassador for the club and he's a very very competent defender as well and uh, and I think you're right to highlight that performance at Wembley against Chelsea, which was should have been really a breakout moment for him. And I seem to remember the next season he didn't quite kick on, had a couple of injury problems. But he has matured into, I think, an excellent penalty box defender. You know, maybe in bigger spaces, he might struggle a bit more. I don't think he's as good on the ball as some of our other options. He's not bad on the ball by any stretch, but I do think when the ball comes into the box and it's there to be won in the air... There aren't many better than Rob Holding. And he's shown his value all season long. As I say, coming on late in games or starting games. The block he made in the first half uh, was a massive moment in the game. And he was very valuable at the other end too. I mean, this was a a game where Arsenal, to be honest, in the first half in particular, didn't really look like scoring from open play. And and he broke the game open with that set-piece goal. He was a real threat, as was Gabriel. So yeah, I'm really glad to see him getting some love. He deserves it. And I just hope Arsenal can convince him to remain part of this group because that's not an easy task. This is a player who's in their mid-twenties now will want to play regular football. I don't think they'll have given up on something like playing for England. You know, I think those aspirations will still be there. He very nearly went to Newcastle on loan a couple of years ago. That broke down. They kept him at the club. He's remained a big part of the project. But that's a conversation that will have to happen. You know, is William Saliba going to come back or Arsenal going to bring in another centre-half? What is Rob Holding's role going forward? I really want to see him stay because to have someone who's happy to be part of the group, to play their part, to be ready when
2: called upon for a manager, it's invaluable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Adrian, anything to add to that? You were nodding no, along there.
2: Really. No, I could. Yeah, if I'd have spoken those words myself, I'd have been very <laughs> proud of them. So yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, abso- absolutely concur. Um, yeah, hopefully he'll stay. He's, he's a good egg, good, a, a valuable part of that dressing room, and 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 yeah, I think especially in a third centre half role, if we ever need one, he's he's absolutely perfect. If if he was in a side that that sort of sits back and absorbs a lot of pressure, you know, so maybe at the bottom end of the Premier League, where you know, like, a, like a Burnley, for example, that where, where a lot of it is is down to sort of how you defend your penalty box. I think people would be raving about him. Yeah. Really do. So, yeah, um, yeah we did miss Ben White's passing, that, that sort of quality that he has on the ball, but, but Rob brings plenty of other qualities.
1: Adrian, I want to ask you about control of the game we weren't as as james said we weren't playing particularly well in the first half we took the lead your first thought is, right, get through to half-time, make the necessary changes, and then get to a victory. Mm. What obviously happened was that we spent five minutes pinned back in our own penalty box and then conceded. And is this to do with the youth of the squad, basically? The fact that we don't have that many players who can look around and go, you get here, you get here, let's defend our penalty box and and have a bit of control.
2: Quite possibly, yeah. The game management wasn't great. We we, we didn't look after the ball well enough in, in, in the game, full stop, Generally, really, no. that goal was disappointing. I think if you look back at it. <laughs> That's um, the t- word, Tavares, that is the word I would use. T- Tavares was, was basically in the D, very central, um, and, and marking and Bowen, but you've got to have a bit more awareness of your surroundings and, and that positioning was too narrow, but Martinelli as well didn't track back with, with no. Souffal. So there was no communication and they paid a heavy price for that. I, I thought in the first half, I was really worried because every time we had the ball, I felt like we were vulnerable. If we're, as soon as West Ham nicked it, they were, they were at us, with, particularly with Jared Bowen. And, and that, that frightened me a little bit. What happened in the second half, and I think most of this is down to the fact that Gabriel scored quite early on, is that we retreated and we said, you know what, you have yeah. the ball. You have at it. Us. Yeah. And you come at us. And goodness me, the difference. I mean, look at the stats. They're quite striking. We only had 36.7% of possession in the second half. We had nine shots. West Ham had two. We had five shots on target. West Ham had none. Um, So we are a better team when we absorb and break. Absorb and break. So it's, yeah, it's a difficult one because you can't always set out to do that from the start. But I'm glad that we found that place in the second half because it suited us so much better, and it nullified it nullified Bowen, who had who had had so much space to run into in that in that first period.
1: A couple of very quick things, uh, James. Was Chris Sutton being ironic when he tweeted about Arsenal over celebrating? I mean, I his <laughs> humour. I mean, I know Chris a little bit. His humour is a little always a little bit on the edge, and especially when he's around me because he he knows I'm a comedian, so he gets it all gets a bit. Is this a joke or what's happening here? I don't quite know. So. Was he being ironic, do you think? Because I had a go at him for it, and I just think, <laughs> oh, please do go away. Stop with this uh, celebration police nonsense. Let's enjoy the moment, right?
0: I Yeah, I, uh, I, it's read a bit like a man who's sending up a signal that they're about to do a phone-in show, you know. <laughs> <did a> <laughs> I, I think that may have been what's going on there, because Charles Watts, a, a journalist, uh, posted a video, actually, I think, of the Arsenal celebrations, which were... Pretty muted, really. I mean, yeah. not at the level of yeah. what we've seen in certain other games of late at full time. So, yeah, I think Chris. Uh, I'd like to think he knew what he was doing. It was though. a wind up. It okay.
1: must have been a wind up. It might up. have yeah. been. It might. No have been, one's that. Enough.
2: Surely no one's that boring. I mean, we've been we've been here before. Chris Sutton we? might be, mightn't he? I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I do think he's a funny guy, actually, Chris Sutton, and he may well have been. And as I even as I posted my, oh come on, Chris, stop it. I was mm. almost said yeah unless you're joking in which case that's pretty <laughs> funny uh but um
2: uh, on the- on that by the way it, it, it i think this game this was the culmination of a three match period that yeah. was massive and on the back of a really bad run and and no one expected us to get nine points so i th- i think this any celebrations that there were, were were not just about this game about the three that that are put together because yeah, that I was a, that's a, true. And even even though it was a very flawed three matches there are loads of things you could pick apart about what Arsenal didn't do particularly well but the fact that they won them still i think i think it's incredibly pleasing <laughs>
1: uh yes uh i agree by the way i've just had a, a message from abby our producer just wanted a, us to mention uh, eddie Ketta winding up uh, declan rice uh and and i, I and and there was I think Alan Smith mentioned it, that little bit of street smart that we've got in our team now, uh, uh, Bukayo Saka staying down for a bit longer. I mean, I I suppose you can call it shithousery, basically, that that we are learning the dark arts of the game. So many times I've watched Arsenal over the years be a bit too nice. It's good, isn't it, uh, James, that we're not? That that we're not behaving ourselves as well as perhaps we should, uh, as uh, you know, in the in the way that people would expect us to behave. We're trying to win games, and and if it takes winding up the opposition to do that, that's good, right? I think
0: so, yeah, and and I think. I think Declan Rice lost his head really in that moment, and and Eddie kept his cool and it ate up some time. I completely agree. I think Saka was probably absolutely fine when he when he went down towards the end of the game and ate up some of the clock. Aaron Ramsdale taking a very long time over some of those goal kicks. I don't mind it because I was watching on my sofa and I was a wreck. Let me tell you, I think I was pacing up and down my living room by that (laughs)
1: point. I I sensed that from your tweets, actually. I was looking at your tweets (laughs) thinking, oh my God, James is not in a good place I was on the
0: edge. I was not a happy boy at all because I was so so desperate for those points. It's a massive result. And as Adrian says, nine points from these three games. I mean, nobody would have predicted those three losses, I think, in in the space of a couple of weeks, wherever it was. But I'm not sure anyone Quite would have predicted nine from these nine either, um, so it's it 's just been a, an excellent response and uh, yeah I, I I was
2: let's just say a very relieved man at full time if, unless you 're Liverpool or Manchester City, I think getting under the skin of your opposition is a valid tactic yes. just because there are, there are only a couple of two or three teams you know are, are, you know in in the world that, that are so good that they just they can wipe the floor of anyone any every week. Arsenal um, aren't yet in that position, and you've got to use these these little ways to to your advantage. I'm all for it, uh, providing, of course, we don't you know, get players sent off for, for it. We just got to be really canny.
1: Yeah, quite. Um, Leeds at home is the next game. Let's. Beat them and then worry about the North London derby well, after yeah. that. All I would say is that if Liverpool do what we hope they do against Spurs, uh, and we beat Leeds, we go into the North London derby five points clear, which uh, would be an excellent place to start that game. I think uh, another team, by the way, who don't like that much possession and who prefer to hit on the counter is that. That could that be quite? I was going to say it could be quite a sterile ca- encounter, but. I don't think it will be, to be honest. Uh, Anyway, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash Courtside to learn more. We better beat uh, with the handbrake at time. This is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone here with James McNicholas and Adrian Clark. Uh, it's the women's North London derby on Wednesday at the Emirates. Uh, get yourself down there to support the women's team. Um... They, they, they won 7-0 yesterday, uh, but unfortunately, Chelsea won as well. Chelsea play Man United on the final day. Themselves are bidding to finish third and get European football. Arsenal face West Ham on the final day. James, you're going to this, aren't you? This North the North London game. Derby? Yeah, I yes. am, yeah.
0: It's because it's rearranged. It was postponed a few weeks back. Obviously, it takes on kind of even greater significance now because Arsenal need to win these games to give themselves a chance of, of winning the WSL.
1: Yeah, Spurs are tough opponents as well. I watched the uh, the return the other fixture at Spurs, and it was a one-all draw, wasn't it? And that was a tough, tough game. We only equalised in the last minute.
0: Yeah, and it's a derby as well. So I'm hoping it'll be a good atmosphere. I mean, uh, you know, there's <laughs> there's been a few women's games at big stadiums this uh, season, but there's been a bit sort of rainy occasions and, and not always the best atmosphere. I'm hoping this one's really going to... Uh, take off because it's a massive game it's and a
1: huge a, game
0: a good warm-up for the men's North London Derby as well
1: <laughs> <laughs> quite Adrian you've been watching the women's team at all this uh, year
2: as much as I can I don't always get time but what the bits that I have seen I've been really impressed with I think the only of ours has done a very good job so many exciting forward players in that in that side it's it, it's crazy really so yeah it's it would be harsh on Arsenal not to win the title because they were in front for so much of it, weren't they? Um, but Chelsea, very streetwise side, you know, got superstars as well. They, yeah, you just got to hope that a motivated Manchester United can, can take something off Chelsea on the last day because I'm confident, I'm really confident that Arsenal will finish with two wins and it's, yeah. it's down to Chelsea. So, um, yeah, no matter what happens, I think we can be really, really proud of the women's team. And I, I just hope that, that they keep... The, the bulk of this group together because if you look around if you look at the Champions League and the last four obviously none of them are WSL sides so but but it doesn't mean that we haven't got great players that that wouldn't potentially improve those those four clubs in the Champions League semi final so I'm, my only concern is that one or two of our, our better players might get targeted in the transfer market but let's hope not
1: yeah, uh, we'll have a fuller chat uh, about the uh, WSL and Arsenal in the next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll try and get flow back, and Art will talk about it as well. The other thing that I wanted to talk about before we finish there's a song. <laughs>
2: the snow.
1: Louis Dunford uh, song, The Angel. Um, this chorus has been adopted uh, by Gooners as a new anthem. Well, it didn't quite take off. These things have to, they just sort of have to happen, don't they? And, and it's a great, uh, it's got a lovely chorus and it can be sung by football fans. Uh, and it is about North London. Um, do you think it will happen it's really down to the away fans isn't it
0: yeah I asked a few travelling fans at West Ham if there was much sign of it and they said not really sort of bits and bobs here and there listen I'm a big fan of the song I think it's great and we live in an age where content and kind of virality all feels quite um, forced and uh, manipulated And, and this felt genuinely quite organic the way it gathered momentum and Arsenal fans were kind of rallying behind it The artist himself is an Arsenal fan. Um, But I think if it's really going to kind of elevate to become an anthem, it it probably needs to be played in the stadium, you know, so that the match-going fan, not just the guys who are online leading that conversation, are hearing it. and, And that process takes time. But I think it's got a chance. And, you know, we've had a few sort of, attempts at it I mean we all remember the wonder of you from the sort of early period of the Emirates Stadium and you know it developed some popularity but never quite felt like our own thing we all know Amy's thoughts on uh, Sweet Caroline (laughs) uh, and that's sort of been (laughs) adopted by England and the nation more generally I think really at this stage so I'd love for Arsenal to have their own theme that was sort of special to us and and I don't see why this couldn't be it
1: Adrian, from a from a player's perspective, does it, when you're running about, does it really matter or do you, some, some songs have more resonance than others? I like
2: it when I go to grounds and there is a pre-match anthem. I do like it. I think there's a little bit of, um, it makes it a little bit special. It could, there are people out there that probably think it's cringe, but I, I don't. Uh, Liverpool, obviously, with Never Walk Alone is, I think, a great tradition. Forest have got it, haven't they, with Mullock and Tyre, where they adapted the words to it. And that when that rings out pre-match, as the players are sort of just milling around before the kickoff, it can be really special. Uh, and that Wolves is where do,
1: Wolves do high ho Wolverhampton, don't they? Hi-ho yeah, Silver it's a very really short
2: one. Sheffield United have got one, but Forest is the one that stands out for me, and and it, it gave me goosebumps. I've been at the City Ground a few times this season, and it was really special. And and I, this is where I see this potentially fitting in. You might want to adapt one or two of the words. Um, you could instead of saying North London forever at the start, say the Arsenal forever, and the, and at the end the, the last line is my blood will forever run through the stone. You could probably go my blood will Forever forever run through, run red through the stone. You know, just to just to give it an arsenalization a little bit. But um, it, it's a nice it's a nice chorus. It, it, I can hit, I can picture it being sung in the ground. Um, but the club have to back it, don't they? I think they have to sort of play play a bit of backing music that encourages it to be sung. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. The the key thing here, though, in my opinion, forgetting the song, is that this is all a sign that the fans are fully engaged with the club and the matchday experience again. That apathy that blighted us for three, four, five years is gone. That's gone. And that is worth celebrating in itself. The fact that fans want to bring in an anthem, they want to make the match day experience even more special is a great sign, it's so healthy.
1: Yeah, and uh, Gilberto likes it as well, <laughs> which I, I I don't know. You know, I think that's good and everything. But like I say, we need those uh, uh, we need the fans to pick it up and the club uh, to help. Um, Get
0: Gilberto out on the pitch playing it on his mandolin. <laughs> yeah, I like
1: that. <laughs> I, I'm, mandolin songs are always the ones that catch on, aren't they? Let's be fair. Of all the musical Famous. instruments. <laughs> um, all right. So we're not going to pick a song because that's our song this week. Thanks to Adrian. Thanks to James. Thanks to Abby, uh, our producer, leads next week. Let's keep it going, boys. Uh, I'm Ian Stone. Thanks for listening. This has been Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic.